can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hey, hey and welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, joined by my consistently present and accounted for <laughs> co-host, uh, Jane Lily Hammer. And before we get into the episode this week, I, I do want to just let you know, if you're curious about, you know, how do I keep tabs on those two? Be curious no more. <laughs> OK, because you can find us on our socials at Instagram, at Facebook. And yeah, we're uh, we're needling away over on thread as well. <laughs> You know, stitching something really beautiful together, you know, <laughs> the fabric of our lives. And in all of those cases, you can find us at the handle at Movies We Missed. Jane, how are you doing today? It looks like you got yourself you some lip yeah, chat in your hands Yeah, I was just using there. this opportunity where you were talking to uh, uh, moisten the old uh, uh, flappers, as they say. <laughs> as, well, I want to use them on your face. As soon as I said the old flappers, I was it, it was instant regret. I knew it was a poor word. And as soon as you said it, I was like, so she's she's yeah, reading my yeah. mind. No, I'm not um, uh, moistening my uh, vagina lips. It's just the, the ones on my face. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. And that looks like an old school or like late 90s lip smackers that you seem to have got in your head. Now. Was that was that strawberry? Um, this is actually just a a classic um, tube of of chapstick. Um, I don't know what the name brand is because I actually got it free at a spa when I went for a first visit. And it looks like they took off all the branding. Now, as a person who works in marketing, I would have put my own branding on it, but it seems like they sort of cheaped out on it. But um, it does feel like... A, yeah, you ripped. I saw you'd ripped it off, but I thought, I don't know. I felt like the cool kids always did that in high school. They didn't want you to right. see that. Um, what was it? What was that brand Chapstick. that everybody had? Yeah. Yeah. Chapstick. I, yeah, literally well, chapstick. That's funny because um, I refer to all of those things as chapstick, but you call it lip chap, which is a Southern thing we found out. Is it? It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I've only heard people from the South say it. Isn't that what's a yeah, Safari? Safari. Yeah. Safari. You want some I think we've talked about it on the podcast, but yeah, <laughs> after a big fight, it's a it's a favorite meme of mine after a big fight. Somebody else was talking about this before, Ooh. though. It was I think it was on I, I this is so random. I think it was I think it was on an episode of like Sibling Rivalry, which is about the drag queen of, of exchange to winners of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's their podcast. They were talking about this. And I think Bob was describing it as one of his favorite like <gasps> reality television That's one moments. of my favorite reality was television the, moments. I think about it and laugh all the time. When it happened, I remember being like, I, I was like hyperventilating. I was laughing so hard. I do feel like Bob, Bob the drag queen and I would be good friends if we just had the opportunity to be in the same room. I think so. You both are very argumentative. So I feel like you would both you would both have a lot. You'd both have a lot a, to, it, to put on the be a fiery table. conversation. I love how you say that like you aren't super opinionated. I'm not, despite the 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 meme that you sent me today on Instagram, the violence that you and your wife threw my way for no fucking reason. I'm just living my life, trying to be good and, you know, given I was think I was just handing out money to people on the street. And I got that oh, okay, message. Okay. And I was like, 
this doesn't align with how gracious I am and what I do for this city. I just had a meeting with our alder, with our alder person. It just, it didn't add up. For those of you who. It was like QVC. Yeah, for those of you who are curious, it was a reel on Instagram and it was um, this, I, I mean, I don't want to assume anybody's uh, sexual uh, preference, but definitely maybe a gay guy and a woman on a QVC. That was Isaac was Mizrahi. <laughs> Okay, so definitely a gay guy then. I didn't, I didn't talk who it was. <laughs> no, I, it was at, towards the very end. I was like, that's just Isaac Mizrahi just arguing with this like with this random woman in QVC. It they was were selling, wild. They it were was selling too ugly much. shirts, and they got into this um, argument about whether the they were like maxi dresses. No, they, they were, were like, like no, they, they were, were like maxi they dress were tunics. tunics. They were like large tunics, but they were. And okay. again, this is us. This is us being so meta because that's exactly what they were doing. Arguing about. I, as soon as everything. we started arguing, I was like, I'm going to pull back. And then I was like, this feels strange. Why does this feel so weird? So they were arguing about whether the, the moon was a planet or a star. And it had nothing to do with selling the shirts. And they were getting so hot on live TV, I'm assuming, on like the shopping channel or QVC. You know those producers and were like... And Tara sent it to me. And she was like, this is you and Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> and then I sent it to Brandon. And as our, <laughs> and as our producer just chimed in with, which I yes. also said, the, the moon, moon is, is neither. neither. So they were both yeah, wrong. But it was so, but it was so it was funny. So they were like, <laughs> they were, they were arguing. Jane, also, I'm sorry, we're gonna get into episode. Jane, did you see the one that I sent you of the two like men? It was like, it's like a classic. This is like for our youngins out there, it's on Instagram now. And I always love when things pop up on Instagram that were just like on YouTube yeah. before. It's this clip from New York, and it's like this like news anchor. It's these two old mm-hmm. white men. One of the news anchors is on the scene at this apartment yeah. complex, and he's talking to this woman about like some issue with like they're doing some sort of work on elevators in her apartment building. And her complaint is that I think they're doing it either too early or too, I think too late. They're doing it, they're working on this stuff at like seven, eight o'clock. It doesn't no. really matter. Either way, it's disruptive to her. <laughs> What? No, go ahead. Oh, you said no. Yeah, I, I just oh, meant. In, either way, it's disruptive right. to like her and her life. And so they're interviewing her and then they're interviewing, which seems to be like the superintendent, like not the, like maybe the super, like somebody who works for the apartment building and the news, the, the older gentleman who's like the, who's the anchor on the scene, he's interviewing her and then he sort of gives the mic to the gentleman who's standing next to her and he sort of speaks on behalf of the company to basically say like, this is okay. Like we're adhering to the rules and like if we were if we were running late then that is not like that is not routine for us like this is a problem that we're addressing and then he sort of pulls the mic back and he's thrown it back to the anchor in the studio and the gentleman in the studio is like oh well seems like you kind of missed an opportunity there to talk to her and he's like well i did talk to her and he's like yeah but you missed the opportunity to go back to her to give her an opportunity to sort of like rebut basically what this gentleman just said and he's like well okay and she sort of pops back in because she i guess can kind of hear this or a producer on the side is maybe waving her back and he's like well okay she's here now like in talking to the guy in the studio what do you want me to ask her and he's like He's like, well, I mean, I'm not going to I can't do your job for you. (laughs) And then they just start going at it. And he's like, well, he's like, I don't need you to do my job for me. But I did ask her back out because you asked me to. What do you want me to ask? He's like, if I have to tell you how to do it, we'll figure out a time for me to teach you how to be an anchor. He's like, well, you know what? There's nothing you can teach me because I was your because because um, because I was your boss. And then he he goes, yeah, the key in that sentence is was. (laughs) And he's like, he's like, yeah, but you're not anymore. You're on the scene now, aren't you? It's so 
It is, it so, is so funny. funny. And it's and a I classic. I can't believe that. Ha- I I've seen never seen it before. And I can't believe it happened live on the air. Oh, so Two good. men just like dick measuring on like, he's like, I'm going to teach you how to, I, oh I guess I'm going to have to teach you how to be a reporter. And <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, it's so good. And it's juicy. Yes. And it's from like the yeah. 90s or like the early, early aughts. It's cl- it's a classic. I love seeing the classic mm-hmm. ones from like they were on the YouTube when we used to do the blooper reels that used to be put together, stitched together on oh. YouTube when the girlies didn't have social media. So you had to go searching yeah. for them. And I'm I'm always here just so all of our listeners know, I'm always here for a good news. Yeah. blooper, And I'm always here for somebody falling. Mm-hmm. I always think it's funny when people fall, including oh, myself. 100 percent. I mean, it's funny. I love a good the the news fail reels are so good. They're on Instagram and TikTok now, but like they're so quick. You know what I mean? Like the YouTube ones are like you know, <laughs> at least ten to twelve minutes of good of a good time. And then the um, my sister and I exclusively like send each other reels of people falling over. That's like and and the thing is, it's it so makes good. my sister laugh in such a way. Like it gets it gets to that deep laugh in her that like I I can hear her laughing about like from one of these things and it will instantly make me start laughing hysterically. It's like, you know, when someone you love has that kind of specific laugh that like, will just get you going, even though you don't even know what they're doing or looking at, like that. My sister has that like laugh that like, I hear that and I just immediately start laughing. And she does that with all those falling over videos. (laughs) I just made a note. I'm going to make sure to post for all of our Instagram followers out there the week that we do the grifters episode, which is not a wacky movie at all, (laughs) but you wouldn't know that based on this conversation. I'm going to make sure to post in our Instagram stories, a couple of my faves um, clips of people falling or people reacting to people falling. Cause there's another really good one of these two. Like it's a woman and a man they're singing and there's black people. They're like in like a, it looks like it's just a, it's on them. The camera's on them, but apparently like the minister like fell and it's like, there's the music has started and they're about to start. It's so funny. It's so funny. And they're like right about to start singing. And then the man literally just turns his back to the Mm. congregation because he's trying as hard as he can to steal himself. And like, I have been (laughs) in that position so many times and it is like the worst and the best feeling because it's joy, but it's also, (laughs) it's fear because you're like, I don't want the (laughs) optics of somebody seeing me laughing at the minister who just took a tumble, but it's funny because it's funny. funny. And I will say part, it's Part fucking of hilarious. That, that, that video. And then we'll stop describing memes to you because we realize that that's not fucking interesting at all. Is that I not? No, but it's like. Oh, is this not? Is this not um, our podcast, Be Meme It or Not? I think we usually do the. We got our days crossed. That's You're our other. Right. That's, that's we do those on, on Patreon, another day. Be Meme It or Not. Um, that's for that Patreon with Jane smashing those cakes with her breasts. <laughs> You gotta pay extra. A, it's that is tears not the too, baby. Patreon. That is my own Patreon. <laughs> That's right. That's Jane bringing and that hammer down. You can check out hammer cakes. <laughs> hammer cakes. Absolutely. And hammer fart farts. Hammer cake farts too. Because I, I, yeah, yeah. Trademark. Um, so don't even think about stealing that from me. Um. <laughs> Hi, Bill and Nancy. And I meant, and I meant literally taking her and breasts slam- and slamming, yeah. like smashing them into. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I also think you can sit on them. I uh, maybe you I can sit should. on them, and you. 
you can sit on them and you can also do like you can also i think what the best would be i'm not a cake boy but if i were i think that the best would be you to take your what you don't like cake boy I think the best would be to take to do foot stuff. I think taking your feet and slowly pressing it, place oh, pressing your foot into a cake with the cake coming oh, through no, I'm be sick. I'm the be webbing. Sick. I think that's got to be like a thing. The, for the webbing? Like I understand, like but you cut. That's like what do you like? We're human beings. Like webbings are like you when you refer to like a duck or something. Through what the do you digits, call it? through your fingers. What do you call it then? Yeah, you don't call. Through the finger, it's got to no, be like a technical term. Fingers. Like, oh my god, stick this through your fingers is fine. Okay, let's <laughs> let's get back on the air. Okay, okay. So I do. So yeah. So I did just want to say. Did you want to talk about our private conversation? <laughs> no, because they don't know that we paused. <laughs> okay. Django. So the the final thing I was going to say about that meme that you were talking about, about the pastor who fell is. And again, I'm sorry, we will stop describing memes in great detail to you guys. But he the guy turns to stop from laughing. But as he turns, he is fully facing the woman that he's with, which I think is like a horrible idea because I think about Brandon when you and I both know that we find something super, super funny and we're in a place where we shouldn't be yeah, laughing. Yeah, yeah. We can't look at each other. And he yeah, like yeah, yeah. turns and makes full eye contact with her. And I'm like, you're making it worse. You're making it harder for yourself. It's the church <laughs> laugh, which also has happened to me before many times mm-hmm. in life. When somebody says something that's so horrible that I like don't know what to do because it's such a shocking piece of information or when it just catches me completely mm-hmm. unawares. Those are the two times where I'm most likely to let out like a <laughs> laugh in a person's face as they're sharing something horrible with me. It's not because what they're sharing with me is funny. It's because of I wasn't course. equipped and prepared of to course. receive it. So my instinct is to yes. laugh. And I don't know where that comes from, but it is something that I've had for a very long time. And Jane and I have had quite a few moments <laughs> where we're talking about something and then she shares something serious and then I burst out laughing or somebody in the room shares something serious and I turn and look at Jane and then Jane starts laughing and then it's like, oh my God, why are you laughing? And then she's like, Brandon. It's because and it's I like, know that we both, <laughs> like we're both shocked to hear this information and we know that it's really like intense information and it's just you it comes out of nowhere and so like it is i don't know why the instinct is to laugh but it's but it happens mostly when i'm with you (laughs) i don't know why and i don't know if that means we're bad people do you think that means we're bad people it's the content it's the circumstances (laughs) not the content right like it's the circumstances of the interaction it's not the it's not the content (laughs) that's being shared it's the shock Mm -hmm. of the circumstances like where we found ourselves like oh my god what a what a predicament we're in as human beings right now that's more what i'm feeling in those moments um and speaking of things that we shouldn't be laughing mm. at and things that, you know, in some cases shouldn't even and, be talked about. We got ourselves speaking of intense predicaments that you do not want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say we got ourselves in quite the kawiki dink this week with um, the movie that uh, we will no longer, I'll no longer be able to say to Jane, you missed this one because uh, it's officially busy. <laughs> um, we're going to be taking a gander at 
The Grifters, a 1990 film uh, directed by Stephen Frears. Uh, so do you want to go ahead and read my little synopsis that I sort of pinned really quick like I do when I'm in the lab? I would love to hear your synopsis. I would love to hear what you put together. It's, you know, I, I was thinking about you this week as I was watching this movie because I thought, whew. Yeah, because I always think about when I don't have to write the synopsis, how I would approach it. And some and sometimes I think, oh, this is going to be a complicated one. Like, I wonder what direction he's going to take with it. That is very. I think the same thing with you sometimes, Jane. And you're right. This was a complicated one. I sort of stayed on the outer parameter of it, I didn't get, try, try yes. not to get bogged down with too many of the details because I knew we could sort of the, dive we're into them, about them. But I'm curious, in, like, I actually, I want you to read it and then I'm going to, I'm no, so no, and then now. I'm going, and then I'll bring something up. But yes, I want, I want you to read it because okay. I want to see how Perfect. you structured it. So please go. This is funny. This is actually a pretty okay. short one for me. So I'm really curious to, okay, anyway, yeah. let's just start. Lily Dillon is a con artist who knows her way around a hustle. She's been operating as a bookmaker for the mob for years. One of her main jobs is traveling around the country, placing bets at racetracks to lower the odds on long shots. On a trip to La Jolla from Albuquerque, she decides to pay her estranged son Roy a visit in Los Angeles. Despite this familial connection, there's a palpable will-they-won't-they vibe coursing through all of Roy and Lily's interactions. Accompanying this forbidden by the laws of humanity everywhere except Alabama tete-a-tete is an underlying tension. And at first, it seems to stem from Lily's absence during Roy's formative years, but we soon learn it's a bit more complicated. Not only is it tied to Lily's lack of maternal instinct, but it also stems from the fact that despite Roy's assertions to his mother that he's on the straight and narrow and working as a run-of-the-mill salesman, she can smell the stench of scheme emanating from him. It is all the more complicated when Lily meets Myra, the flaxen-haired paramour of her son. She's anything but taken with the wide-eyed filly and senses that she may lead her son even further down a path of destruction. This, compounded by Lily's paranoia that Roy is involved in a dangerous lifestyle, convinces her that she's got to keep an eye on her son and his gal pal Myra. She may have underestimated the doe-eyed blonde, though. Because as Roy and Lily soon learn, Myra has perfected her own kind of hustle. And pretty soon, these three are going to have trouble figuring out who's playing who. And the one we least expect may find themselves another victim of the grifter. Chilling. That was was chilling and gave, you know, great context to the movie that we watched. And... Man, it was it was a doozy. It was a doozy. Um, the thing that I was curious about when you uh, before you read your synopses was I wondered who you were going to center. I wondered if you were going to center Roy or if you're going to center Lily. And I absolutely 100 percent. Um, would have censored Lily and I'm glad that you did too because this to me is one is her story this is so funny because I was going back mm-hmm. and forth about because this movie does a really good job of job of distributing between the three the yes. three stars everybody gets their mm-hmm. like moment and I almost did it 
I almost tried to do it a different way where I where I quickly did like a synopsis of each mm. one of the three explaining who they are, how they move through the world, what their what their grifts are, because they all have they all have distinctively yes. different hustles. So like thinking about that and then thinking about how they sort yeah. of coincide. But I ended up focusing on Lily because I don't know what it was. My instinct just drew me to her. Well, first of all, it's fucking Absolutely. Angelica Houston. And so in one of my favorite Angelica Houston performances and I found out through researching one of her favorite performances and she says the most difficult role I that saw she's that. played. Yeah. And so, I was blown away because she's played so many, like so, so many, many iconic, iconic parts. parts, but also not surprised after watching it. Also literally the year before uh freaking Adam's family came out. So it's like, wow. that gives you like a little bit of context for this moment in Angelica yeah. Houston's career. Um, I'm going to throw some quick and dirty stats your way. And then we are going to jump right in like we always do. (laughs) So this was released. (laughs) So this was released on on December the 5th, 1990. And it was released like through a production company in um, that was, I think, underwritten by Miramax or like in conjunction with um with Miramax it was this company called like Cineplex Odeon I Films I saw that at the they beginning were, and I was uh, like what is that Yeah and so it was so we all know obviously there's the Harvey Weinstein debacle and by debacle I mean like series of sexual assaults that he committed as a member of um Allegedly, I don't know if you're that. No, no, no. he's been convicted. He plays of a dirty fucking rapist. So I take back my (laughs) allegedly. I take back my allegedly. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, and so and what it is is horrible. And he 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 was the head Um, of Miramax. Just for context, yeah, he was the head of Miramax. And but like one of the things about Miramax is that like they were the darling of like the Academy Mm -hmm. Awards and just like the critical circles. Um, they released a lot of like indie films and he did a really good job of like getting the word out about their projects. And, um, and so, yeah, that was like a big part of, of what they did. And, um, this is another smaller, like independent film and like Cusack and it stars Angelica Houston, Nett Benning and John Cusack, Cusack and, um, Houston both took like, I think substantial pay cuts in order to Mm -hmm. do the film. So this was like a small sort of labor of love. Like apparently John Cusack, like read the book by Jim Thompson when he just from like 1963, the novel that it's based on, he read that book Mm -hmm. in high school and then, and then like wanted to try and get the rights then. So like, this is like a labor of love for them. Um, But I say all that to say this movie was released apparently on December 5th, 1990, but it was like one of those like, quick and dirty releases where it's like, we're just releasing this movie so that we can qualify for like the awards season and be able to campaign. Mm -hmm. That's like kind of how sometimes they'll do that with movies where it's like, they'll release them like in November or right at the, Mm -hmm. like the end of the year and like December, just so that they can get in um, under the, under the radar. And then, you know, it'll get a larger release Uh, later on. Um, The movie I couldn't find. And I think it's because of the fact that it was this smaller scale independent movie. I couldn't find a lot of information on the budget Mm. for this movie. I do know, that it made uh 12.8 million at the box office which apparently like with adjustments for like um for inflation and for things like that is around 30 something million dollars in today's uh in today's skrilla um so but it was a commercial success because you have to keep in mind that this movie was released in very limited release so like per so we're talking per theater and it was released in a substantially smaller 
amount of theaters. So like it was actually quite, quite a successful movie for this independent um, film company. Dave, actually, our producer chimed in with Cinemax Odeon Films, later known as Odeon Films, was the film distribution unit of the Canadian cinema chain Cineplex Odeon Corporation. So that's good to know. Just sort of, you know, to give us a little bit of like grounding mm-hmm. and foundation. Yeah. But yeah. And I think um, it's absolutely worth mentioning that like i think probably one of the reasons that it did so well was a all the big names in it but also it was produced by martin scorsese which is like significant yeah, yeah. It, it was and also and martin scorsese was originally i think when this film was picked up was originally mm-hmm. set to be directed by martin scorsese and then he had to leave this production because he started directing mm. goodfellas and he handpicked Stephen Frears to direct this movie. Stephen Frears, famous British director, mo- I think most famously known for directing The Queen, um, which starred Helen Mirren. Um, so what about no, no, no. definitely Dangerous Liaisons? I feel like that before The Queen, that was oh, like the claim to fame. The, yeah, no, for sure, you're right about that. I, I was just thinking more of something that, like, you know, Helen Mirren won like the best lead actress Oscar for it, and it was like this sort of big moment. But you're 100 percent right. That's like Dangerous what Liaisons I asso- is associate like, his um, name with, though. But I, I, but yeah, I mean, just like because it's, I think, older than the Queen is what you know came why it came to mind. No, drag me any um, fucking chance I get, Brandon. <laughs> wow, uh, wowza! So we're gonna jump right in to just sort of you know we as our listeners know we love mm. to break things down with our patented, uh, mm-hmm. copywritten um, like mm-hmm. it, love it, loathe it. Um, we're gonna start with our like it, and I'm actually gonna I'm gonna toss it mm. over to Jane, and I want to hear your uh, your first like it for um, the movie. This, this is week, so Jane. random because it's like two. Th- it's like halfway through the movie and it's just like a small detail, <laughs> but it is the first like it point that I wrote down in my like it. So I don't know how you, you structure, okay. like, I, I don't know how you structure how you create your like it's love it's and love it's. But what I normally do is, is like, I take notes while I'm watching the movie and then I use those notes and I look at them and I either try to like create a point based on like some of the notes that I uh, have or like thinking in terms of like an overarching theme. So, but this was one of the things that I just took from like a single note that I had in there. I'm so sorry. Will you say that again? What do you do? So when I watch the movie, I take notes and I just like, Uh comment on what I'm seeing or what I'm thinking when I'm watching the movie. And then after the movie, I go through and I look at my notes and I create like, uh, you know, the like it, love it, loathe it section at the top of my notes. And I'll look at my notes and themes will rise from those notes. And I'll be like, oh, this is a larger theme that I want to comment on. So I'm going to like write a little sentence about this and put it under my under one of the categories. Or I take like a direct note about the actual like action within the movie and I add it to one of those categories. So it's like two different things. It's like this is like an overarching theme I was thinking about. And oh, this is like a very specific thing from the movie. And so my first like a point based on is just a very random specific thing for the movie. Um, But when 
Roy and Myra go to La Jolla. They take a road trip to, or they take a train trip to La Jolla and they stay together and they get separate hotel rooms. (laughs) And it made me fucking laugh when, um, so Myra is sort of this like sexy, his sexy girlfriend. She's a little bit older, but she definitely uses her body and, you know, to, to get what she wants. And, um, she was like, she was talking about how she wanted um, separate hotel rooms and she was like, I want separate bathrooms. I will not lay out all my cosmetics for you to knock over. And I was just thinking to myself, girl, you just really need a private place to dump out. So your boyfriend doesn't you destroy the bathroom. (laughs) That is so funny because when that happened, Jane's a really big like makeup person. And when that happened, I thought like, I wonder how Jane's going to take this. Like, is this like a valid concern? Like we're going to get like separate rooms so that you don't see, I mean, I guess new in a relationship, but it's funny because it's followed up by a scene right after this. And keep in mind, this is like yeah. pre-cell phone. This is like 1990 where she calls the hotel room and she tells him to open the door. And the way their rooms are set up, they're like kind of like on. It's like an L yeah. almost like they're like they're like catty corner from each other. So he opens the door and then she's like standing there naked in the doorway and he runs in the room. No, she um, walks and down the hall around. naked she, she, into she, his room. She's yeah, no, that's right. And then they end up rolling around on the bed, like, like writhing yeah. and going at it. But I did think, like, this is really, I did, now that you're saying that, it makes me think, like, does she just go to the bathroom and, like, like take a shower after, like, doing her, like, a deep yeah. shit? And then she was like, let me. And then she opens the door to her room and she's sauntering his. And he's like, what's that smell? And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, I don't know. It's been here since I since I walked in the room. I'll have to call down to the front desk and get them to take care of. And it's like, yeah, somebody's going to have to. And he's just like, no, it smells like legit sewage. Like, we need to call the front desk now. There's been a problem like for sure. The Reuben she ate on the train that she's trying to like. Uh, it must be all that au jus. Oh, so that was my first like at point. Um, I'd love to hear one of yours. Maybe you have a classier one than me. <laughs> no, I don't. And actually, my first one, my first one was actually a really okay. random one too. And right before you said that, I was looking at my notes and I was like, why is that? I the know. First thing That's you how I felt when I first started. I was um, like, why is this where I'm going? But I'm glad. It it was good. <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't I I I feel like I sometimes I get caught up in the like it's and the love it's yeah, a lot mm-hmm. in these. And then loathits are like sometimes there are things. The thing about loathits that's always kind of perplexing, which I guess could be perplexing for like it's and love it's, but isn't for me, is that loathits can, of course, be like sort of like tongue in cheek. Um, or they can be real or they can be real loathits. And it can be like a loathit about the production. Yes. Or it can be like a loathit, a like a loathit about a plot mm-hmm. point. Like narr- like can be a narrative low that like I hate that they did this or it can be like, you know, I hate, you know, to find out that like this happened during right. production or, you know, so it's a little bit. So it, it's interesting to hear you. Things definitely get moved around as yeah, I go. And too. I noticed that the second time that I watch movies, it, it gets a it's actually easier the second time because I feel like. I just watched it. I mm-hmm. have the story fresh in my mind. And then I'm sort of looking for like little peculiar things that may stick out to me. Um, the thing that was really funny to me, this is really okay. fucking random. It was just like, it was really funny. And Dave was the one who noted it, but that we have like one of our first scenes because we find out that Roy is like, um, Roy does like the short yes. con, which is just like a really quick, um, 
a really quick way to make um to make like to make a quick buck on he like does, a like, mark sleight where sleight of hand stuff. Like, yes, he does like sleight of hands of the and actually the first one. Well, so my so the first like it. I'm gonna okay. I'll just put these two together. The first like it that I had was just that there it took place at yes. a Bennigan's, which <laughs> was, was really so funny to me because because <laughs> it was like oh yeah that Bennigan's for sure that <laughs> happened. Um, Are, is Bennigan's but it's like still using, in like service anymore? Or they all mm, go bankrupt. I no, I think. I think they're, I think okay. is well, over. for those of you who don't um, know, know, Bennigan's is like a TGI Fridays or an Applebee's moment. Yeah. And I always wonder, like, is like, does the president of like, oh, let me <gasps> shut the fuck up. Bennigan's <gasps> is still around. There's one in fucking Elgin. We should go. Let's go. Yeah. They said, don't, they said, they said, don't count us Why out. Why don't we go and try to grift there? Ooh, I love that, that sounds good. Also, only founded in 1976. Huh? There are tw- as of 2021, there are 20, there are 25 wow. locations. So, I'm I mean, impressed. 2021 took a, did a lot of people in. So, I'm wondering what that 2023 yeah. number is. There's also one in Richardson, Texas, not too far away from. Oh shit, where I'm your hometown, from. hometown glory. So, wow. maybe I'll call my mom and tell her to go uh, pay Pale Bennigan's a visit, and then she'll say <laughs> no. Um, but so, yeah. Um, but she'll say right. why. Uh, but yeah. So the first grift that we see Roy pull off in the movie is this grift where he sits down from this guy and he says, I'll give you. He sees that the guy is standing uh, coins on end. Nickels. Basically, so that they're standing vertically. Mm-hmm. Nickels on, on end. So they're standing vertically. And he says he basically is like, I'll give you a dime for every quarter that you can lay on end. And then the guy lays like 10, 15 quarters on end. And then Roy gives him a dime for every one of those quarters. And he basically swipes the quarters. And the guy's like, wait, what? Because obviously the guy thought he meant that, like, I will reward you with a dime for every quarter that you can make stand up. But what Roy actually said was what he did, which was he gave him a dime for every quarter that he stood on in. And he took every quarter that he stood on. I mean, brilliant. So, (laughs) So it's like it's like it's like really like quick little swift things like that but I, I really liked the way that they sort of like set the tone for the movie by introducing us to like these individual yeah, like hustles it was, great. It was um, like they had like the, the camera split in three and that was cool yes. I liked that and we get a little bit of Myra we get a little mm-hmm. bit of Lily we get a little bit of Roy and we see how they're all like sort of like you know hustling to make and just make so you guys make. know Roy is John Cusack Lily is yes. um, Angelica Houston who is Roy's mother and Myra is mm-hmm. Annette Benning, who is uh, Roy's lover I guess <laughs> lover yeah for sure uh, what was your um, first like? Well, you? this was my second like it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, your second like it. Um, okay, so Whoa. there is this undercurrent um throughout the movie that we see that Lily, so Lily, her grift is um she like messes with the um odds at horse. Um, races and so that like makes her a lot of money and makes her boss a lot of money she works for this guy um i think his name is bobo is that right you, you i know, know his, his name, name is bobo. Bobo, i just maybe. don't want it to be 
Bobo. Bobo. <laughs> and so she's hey, running Bobo. around the country going to different horse races and she is uh, placing bets, making money. And she has this little compartment in her car where she's clearly stealing money from Bobo. And so she takes the money, but then she's got like in her trunk of her car, she's got like a false bottom and she pulls it up and you can see it's just like stacks and stacks of money. And she adds to it. And she says this several times throughout the movie. And I just felt like, well, <laughs> I love you. I want you to make your money. But I would also like for you to maybe not do this sort of exchange in broad daylight in an enormous parking lot filled with people where anyone can see you. <laughs> like it just felt like she's so good and she's so careful. But this was like the one thing that she was like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> like out in the open. This is one yeah. of my love it. Yeah. This is one of my love it. Um, it's, it's wild. It's like Angelica Houston. She's yes. so methodical. She's, she's running this grift. It's a tight grift. She's taken a little bit off the top. She's just sort of like, getting a little something, something, which adds up over time. And, and it's honestly like very much in line with her son, Roy, like they're like little by that's one thing that is sort of noteworthy is that it's very like, it's methodical and it's a little bit at a time over a long time to amass their money. And it's really funny because that first scene you see Lily in this racetrack parking lot, in New Mexico, and she's sitting on the edge of the car with the trunk open. First of all, she's boldly counting. Like first, of, the thing is that like the environment yeah. that you're in is an environment where a lot of people are just down yes. and out so like all it would take was like the wrong person seeing you as they're sitting in their car across from you like crying their fucking eyes out because they just lost their life's fortune and then just feeling like they have nothing to lose so this is a you know this tall slender woman i'm gonna like knock her over the fucking head and just exactly. steal all of her money because she like, is like at one point like even aside from the trunk thing just counting hundreds like openly on the stairs like on the way to the just, to the um horse race and part of it is that like Lily's not the kind of woman that right. you want to fuck with. Um, and like, I'm sure anybody would be, would catch a quick meeting with those hands if yeah. they tried to and probably, and probably find themselves bested as we see in a later diner scene when she fucking cracks a dude's esophagus because he won't leave a fuck it's alone. So that is such um, a, that's one of my favorite scenes. I didn't put that in any of my things. She's scene. just like, she's eating and he's like drunk and he just walks up, up to her. And the first thing she goes, she says is leave me alone. And he just won't leave her alone. So she fucking knocks him. It's so great. It's actually like, it's so funny because one Jeff Perry is the actor who I know mainly because he played Cyrus on Scandal. And then also his friend, which Dave was the one who pointed this out. I didn't notice um, that at all. While we were watching it. But it's so, it's so fucking wild. And then um, his friend is Greg from White Lotus, uh, John, Gre John Grise, who plays Greg on, uh, on White Lotus. If any of you watched it, um, Oh and my god. So it's the two of them. They were the they were the two friends at the fucking diner. This movie was full of like actors and like in supporting oh roles who you're like, my god. oh my god. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at them right now. Isn't that, I, no, I isn't didn't that notice crazy? that at all. It's wild. Like it is, yeah, it is crazy. Like how many like actors were just like legends in this movie. You're just like, Whoa, Whoa, wait, hold on. Like, His name is John Grise, it's not John Grease. Uh, maybe okay i, don't know I didn't know it. i thought because 
that's how I, I in my head I was trying to agree. So I was just wondering if like that was as I said, grise in my head something said grease, you idiot. But I decided to lean <laughs> it into me. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was you. That's per usual. So I'll talk to to people about. But yeah, so um, anyway, yeah, the scene where she's sitting on the edge of the car, it's a really yeah. funny moment because you're just like she and she does it routinely. Yeah. And so it's like, I feel like just put the money in your purse and I would wait until like nightfall yep. when like I knew I was 100%. alone in a secluded location and then I would like, you know, put the money away. But it's just like they really Frears <laughs> was directing and he was like, I want to make yep. this fucking clear. Like this is where this is where the this this the stash goes. It's also funny because you don't realize initially. I didn't realize initially that this was her personal money that she was that. taking. I didn't off realize the top. that either. But it does become a it does come Until later become a plot point later where Myra um wants to get Lily get her got and so she sees her at the horse track from. A very, very far distance up in a building, looking out the window with binoculars and sees her in the parking lot, lifting up her false bottom in the trunk and putting her money in. And from that, she deduces that she's stealing money. Yeah, Myra's like in the VIP section, like in this building, watching it in like this air conditioned building. And she borrows a gentleman's <laughs> binoculars and takes a look at the parking lot and literally spots Lily sitting on the edge of the trunk doing what she likes to like, do, apparently, which is count that scroll before Lil, she puts it away. And it's like, Lil, this, this is isn't the moment, moment girl. This is, and the this sun feels couldn't like, be brighter. You know what this feels like, Lil? This feels like like a newbie bullshit mistake. And we know you're not a newbie. And, and she and would never make and yeah. she would never make. So I agree with you. And I definitely had that in my notes as well. So that's yeah. hilarious. Um, also, what did I? So the other thing that I just wanted to like yeah. briefly note, and this is my mm-hmm. next like it, I guess. So it's just interesting more than anything, because I'm always really interested in actors ages mm-hmm. when movies are being made. But we've got Angelica Houston, who during these are the filming ages yes, during. Filming, I saw this because I think it was a year and a half. Mm-hmm. To, you saw this. OK, so Angelica Houston, 38. Annette Benning 31, John Cusack yeah. 23. Um, and it's like, and it's really funny because this actually, I had a moment because it's like, first of all, you're looking at this movie and you're thinking, man, like, like John Cusack, to me, like John Cusack and Angelica Houston in this movie, the ages obviously don't seem that that far right. apart anyway. And they don't really talk about it in the story. But I was doing that math and I was like, that's 15 years. It's like, I mean, they talk, they, they given talk like about a series it in, of the, like, in the hospital. She, she well, like they make like some comments about it, but I mean, they don't they don't give like specific yeah, ages, do. though, do they? Yeah, they do. They never like. So, well, he says she, he's 25. He that's says right. He's he says he's 25. And when he's in the hospital, she says, I had you. Or, or he's recounting the story, I think, to Myra. And he goes, she had me when she was 14. So okay. and that and so in twice. and when then later when he says he's twenty five I thought okay so she's only thirty nine which by the way is my age yeah and Angelica Houston was a year younger than that when yeah. they made the movie which is like wild wild like because it's a huge plot point but you think to yourself you're like oh my god fifteen years that's not old enough and you're like no which it is, is crazy it is. I mean just thinking about I mean just thinking about the fact that like. You know, I could have a 20, 25 year old child right now. I don't think <laughs> that you were that you were doing parallel yeah. grips with and you were exactly. trying to 
you know, get out of that <laughs> life. Um, but that was just a plot point. Seeing how young everybody was, it was just so wild. It was like, oh it's my crazy. god! Like, and everyone looked great. Everyone, so that was really everyone, everyone looks everyone so looks great. John Cusack is so adorable. Like I. I He's so He's adorable and I kind of forget that about him because I only really think about John Cusack as like uh, an older guy. Uh, not that not that not That's that so older guys can't be attractive or anything like that. But like I, I just he was so adorable. No, he was so adorable when he was younger, like a very sweet looking kid to me. That's really funny that you say that, because I always think when I think of John Cusack, my default John Cusack is say anything mm. John Cusack. With the boombox. Like, that's the John Cusack that I think of in my head, I, I think. Like and I don't like know why. Because it's not like I. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's valid. I get that. It's so funny, though. But you're right, though. He was like very sweet yeah. baby face in this movie. I was actually surprised that Annette was, was even Me in too. her 30s. And I kind of almost, until the last time I watched the movie, I kind of missed. Our producer Dave Come just on. chimed in with his his favorite John Cusack or the John Cusack he thinks of by default is Connor, which is John actually Cusack, very which is like it, very accurate for me too I think like that like sort of like late nineties early two thousands Cusack, which is also another episode on the MWM uh, oh. back catalog. So if you're curious, then you should go take a listen because it's more than just the Monica Potter vehicle. <laughs> it's a movie yeah, that some other um, people are in too. So it's go a listen great to episode. It. We love Con Air for everything that, that was it, a fun one. that it is, everything that it wanted to be, and <laughs> and everything yeah. that it will be. Yeah, and as our producers chimed in with it, and everything it shouldn't be. <laughs> um, so we, we love, love it all. all. We take it. Mm-hmm. We take it exactly mm-hmm. as and, it is. And okay, and baby. We, we uh, um, don't hold anything back when we talk about it. Of course. And why isn't it in like the library, like the registry of like, why isn't it a movie that has been preserved like for the all thousand movies you see before time? you die by the New York Times? Actually, yeah. my mom gave me that book for my birthday. Um, the thousand That's movies right, you see before you die. And regrettably, I don't think I, I mean, I've been flipping through it. And obviously there are, it's, it's. It's such an interesting list. It's such an interesting list. But I think uh, Con Hair did not make the cut. <laughs> did you? But you did see Rent-A-Cop R- on there, right? Cop, you know what? I haven't gotten to the R's yet, but I'll I'll check it out when I get there and see if Rent-A-Cop is there. I love Rent-A-Cop so, so much. I like I want to read. I want to do another episode yeah, of Rent-A-Cop. I think about that movie and I smile. So like I, it's so good. It's, so it's one good. of the funniest fucking movies I've ever seen. In my life. And by the way, if you guys don't know, it's a movie starring Liza Minnelli and Burt Reynolds. And we did an episode on it. You can check it out. It is literally. Oh, God. <laughs> life-changing movie it's such, a gem. it's such a gem that you never knew existed <laughs> and it is like the gift that yes. keeps on giving and you read the plot and you think what okay let's see how they put this together and spoiler <laughs> they don't really they put a lot of um, things together it's a, there's a lot of duct of tape on the final <laughs> product <laughs> All you need to know is Liza Minnelli is a sexy call girl and she is obsessed with Halston and she loves her Halston pantsuits and, and you're going to get what you're going to get. get. Although I am, 
I imagine when you call her up, you just get like a jazzy oh. two step and like a rendition of like Meet Me in St. Louis. Like, <laughs> well, I, like a, a, but you're gonna a completely cocaine fueled conversation that goes from one place to a million others, and you just you don't get a word in, and it, I love it. And that's actually I would yeah, pay for too. that service. if there's the, if that shows up on Cameo, I'm buying it. If I can pay for a high price call girl to <laughs> do a bunch of jazz numbers mm-hmm. and some soft shoe and like talk to me about her famous movie star mother, <laughs> that's that's what I want to spend my money on. That's, like, that's what, an evening. That's well what Cameo spent. should be investing in, not these boring reality stars. Oh God, like this this niche group of like homosexuals that would that would that would keep that the girls keep the paid. Girls pay. I mean, hey, hey, I, who who makes who makes a lot of money and doesn't have kids to spend it on? Usually, it's the gays. We're here and we're ready to and we want the source, the story, all of it. So yes, so we've got yeah. that settled. Sorry, okay. Guys. Um, <laughs> okay, Jane, you yeah, have the next okay. like. It. <laughs> Um, my next like it is (laughs) this line by Myra when she uh, essentially this is when her and Roy break up although (laughs) it's a it's actually a really like kind of horrifying scene um she wants him to get into this long con with her he doesn't trust her he doesn't want to do it and she shows up at his apartment trying to convince him that she has this thing this really good deal that they need to work on and he says no and so she kind of gets angry and turns on him and she really goes after him and his relationship with his mother which I'm sure we will get into on a deeper level in a little bit, but she has this line that she says to him, which is so scathing. And she says, you and your own mother, you'd like to go back to where you came from, huh? Fucking <laughs> like obviously you guys haven't seen the movie, so she's insinuating that he fucks his own mother, if that wasn't clear. But just the delivery and the the and the line itself, I was clutching my couch cushion. <laughs> it was it was a scathing indictment. And, and he reacts in a way that he very much shouldn't, but um, you know. No, but no, but sorry, he should not. No, no Jane, say what you're going to say, but no, she deserved no, it. I was just going to say, but it was a very jarring moment. It's a really like it's a really tense yes. moment. And I and it was a moment that both times I watched the movie, I was like, oh, like it is. There's no coming back from that. You can't like you can't be friend. You can't listen to a relationship no. with a person after they literally accuse you of fucking your, your mom. Like it is. It was. But that line, uh, that's such a it's such it's, a line. It is. It is such a good line because it is cutting and it actually ties in with one of my yeah. likes for the movie, which was I love I love dialogue. Yes. You get it a lot in older films. Um, but I love dialogue, especially with like the Hayes Code and everything, where like there are all these limits on like what mm. people could say and do and how people could present themselves. But like in movies that like 
are sort of hearkening back to that time period. And we talk, we've talked multiple times on the podcast about this sort of presence of film noir in a lot of these nineties films. And it's uh, so present in this movie, which is such a love letter. It feels like to those classic film noir um, moments from like the forties and the fifties and like the double indemnities. And um, God, what, what other one was I thinking of? There's a like a little bit like the postman always rings twice. Like it's very much like that, like that vibe. But I was thinking about the moment where um, there's two. I love when an actor can can load a word in such a way that it is a word that is otherwise innocuous, mm-hmm. but it has the weight of like yes. a profanity. And I think that it is a very very amazing yeah. gift. And like and Myra and. Um, Lily both Mm. have moments where they do it. There's a moment when Lily is talking to uh, Roy, I believe, and she's like, oh, you think you're going to, you you know, I'm not somebody you can blow (laughs) off. And it's the way that she says it. It's like so cutting. And then later on, when Roy's talking to Lily, she says she uses the word buster Mm -hmm. in this way that like it shouldn't be as effective as it is, but it is like such a punctuation. And she's just like, I'd watch my mouth if I were you buster. So powerful. It's so powerful. Like it's 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 an interesting thing because it's like we you hear it and it's 2023. And if you think of anybody in any room saying you better watch what you say, Buster, you'd think that it I mean, they're doing a bit or something. But yeah, yeah, in yeah. this context, in this a, film, so yeah, deeply it's felt. so deeply felt. And it's like it gives you shivers, whereas like a, 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 a you know, a classic fuck you could never give um, in the same way. I think also we've gone on such a journey with like profanity and it's so present in society that sometimes like reaching into a bag and pulling out something that's a lot more simple can be so much more impactful. I'm a really big fan of just calling someone a dummy. (laughs) And I have been told by loved ones, (laughs) I have been told by people that it is very Mm -hmm. effective and it's impactful because it almost knocks you off your center. And like when somebody's just like, what a (laughs) dummy, like well-timed and well well delivered it is it can be more impactful than what a yeah. fucking idiot or what yeah. a piece of shit like what a dummy it's just so dismissive it's like you're it's it's kind of almost in a way at times it feels like you're not worthy of like a more cutting right. curse word i'll yeah. save those i'm gonna hit you with one from fucking and grade that's school the thing. There is, because like that's there all is you're like worth a, a, a juvenile <laughs> aspect to it in the sense where it's like you are not on my level enough to give give you more like you are a juvenile you can't play in the same you know arena that i play in type of thing like i i oh yeah. for sure it's like it's mm-hmm. that too it's like that it's also like the dismissiveness mm-hmm. it's also just like i don't need to like go into my no. arsenal to like read no. you down <laughs> because you're not a you're not a dangerous yeah. enough person. You are you are you are an ineffective. I human really being. like I really like that like, you're not a dangerous enough person. That's really descriptive for that, I think. And you don't have enough of an impact right. on me. Like to give you a fuck you would be for me to give you a kind mm-hmm. of power because what is it that that person did to right. warrant that? It's like you don't even mm. get that from me. Like, who yeah. do you think you are? It's a, it's I a, love it. I love it. And so that's one of those things that in this movie, mm-hmm. they do really well and they use them. And it's appropriate because we're dealing with film noir. But these are also two like formidable actresses and they 
they know what they're yeah. doing with language. And it's something that I always as an actor have like appreciated. And it's one of those things that when you go to school and you're training a lot of times, you know, when you're, when you're studying subtext and you're looking at what's sort of existing, like at the, like in like the margins, yeah. you know, or what's, or what you're loading words with, especially if you're doing like a Shakespeare, because sometimes you can like some of those, some of those like lines and some of those, like, you know, some of, some of those words, it's just like, oh my God, like you, you, if you like know what you're talking yeah. about, and if you can sit down with a script and be like, you know, okay, how can I, how can I make this as impactful as I need to make it? Let me think about what this would be in like 2023. Mm -hmm. Now let me think about how to load these words with that yeah. meaning. And it can just be so cutting. And so powerful. And so, yeah. I love that. I mean, I think, you know, I love both things because I absolutely love like a well-placed and a well-weaponized, you know, swear word or, you know, cause I, I, I think it's so, <laughs> I love how afraid people are of it. Um, I mean, not so much anymore, but, oh, yeah. but I, I love, no, yeah, I love I know wielding you mean, yeah. it. it to me. It's, it's a, it's a release too. just like um, whenever I, you know, I don't know, but I swear all the time. So I guess it's probably not quite the release it used to be, but <laughs> no, but it has, but it still has like an Absolutely. impact. It makes though. me feel better almost every time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. Okay. So yeah, we're, we, we love the language and we love the way that they, they really utilize it to like, to like yeah. make their point. And it's also showing a kind of at, at times it shows that fidelity to like the mm -hmm. inspirations in those movies that came before. Um, did you have another, we've, uh, we've like it done, like pretty much all my like it. So if you have more, love I'd it. love to hear them. Okay. I, my last one that I'll talk about is the fact that like, I just like looking at some of the actors that were sort of like, talk to for these roles people who ultimately didn't yeah. end up being cast but i thought it was really interesting and as i was looking at some of them i was thinking about how different like those versions of mm -hmm. the movie would be like in thinking about like the annette binning character for instance the character of myra um it, like meg ryan was in was in talks melanie griffith <gasps> was in talks who was a couple weeks ago we talked about Melanie Milk Griffith. Money. Milk Melanie money. Griffith and what I, a, could totally I could totally see that. Totally see Melanie Griffith in this part. I could totally yeah. see it. And then uh, and then we have Michelle mm, Pfeiffer, yeah. you know, and so like these are all actors that I can see. I, Melanie Griffith is one that I think really I, I could really sort of like you could make like a, a, case a strong for case also, for not to take anything away from Annette Benning. She's incredible. in this role. No, 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 no. No, Annette Benning yeah. is wonderful. And she's such an underutilized actress. And this um, this is such a great performance. It's from so Annette good. Benning. I love her like, in this movie. I, I feel like. I have never seen her in anything like this role before ever. It is a very different role for yeah. Annette Benning. It is that's it's something so that's something about it that is so like special is her performance mm -hmm. in this movie, because I think that in the hands of a less capable actor, it could have just like sort of like not fallen flat, but it could have felt less toothsome because I think that the crux of the story hinges on the relationship between Roy yeah. and Lily. But I think that she brings so much to this part. And it also goes to show that like the ingenue type part doesn't always have to be sort of, um, doesn't have to sort of like float on this sort of like, uh, I don't know Easy. on this, like it doesn't have to sort of, yeah, like idiocy, but it also doesn't have to float on like this kind of like, this lightness mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to just exist as this sort of like light 
uh, almost like um, like buoyancy mm-hmm. kind of. If we're thinking about like sort of like weight and qualities. It doesn't have to just sort of just like stay on that level. And she brings such well, depth. And I also think to it's a lot of character. it is because like she, and I agree with that assessment. And I think like because almost nobody is like that. Everybody has more and. Sometimes these kinds of characters are played without that. And I think that Annette Benning made sure because of who she is and the kind of actress she is, is that that's not the case. And I really appreciated that because this so easily could have gone, gone like, and like, I don't know if this is the right word. It's like a horrible word, but like, I don't know how else to describe what I'm thinking, but like bimbo-y, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and the, I mean, in yeah. some ways that's like a slur because that kind of person doesn't exist. Everybody has more in them. And, you know, I appreciate that. And, and I appreciate and seeing an actor in this role who didn't go there, you know what I mean? Who brought more. I think I think it was the gift that like a Marilyn yes. Monroe had, like where she could bring such depth and such um nuance to these parts that at times felt like one off, mm-hmm. like like one off performances are like not dynamic and like well, and you particularly know, with the writing in like the fifties and the sixties as well. Like this oh, is no, obviously sure. like much more um you know, the writing is quite different in the nineties as opposed to in the fifties and sixties. So yeah. Uh, no, but my point is that Marilyn Monroe was one of those actresses who was able to rise above the material. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, that's when like you an watch, incredible like, thing oh, to yeah, be able yeah, to yeah. do with the writing that was there. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. And it's a sign of a real right. movie star. But when you watch like a Marilyn Monroe performance, um, you like there's she has this ability to she's she has this ability to almost comment from inside mm-hmm. of the thing like she's commenting and critiquing the culture from inside of her presentation of the culture which is like a really like rare and special Mm -hmm. gift and it's in her intonation and it's in her facial expressions and it's in the noises that she sort of makes to bridge Mm -hmm. thoughts together but it it sort of like it gives them a weight and it and it's one of those things that's sort of timeless and it's one of the reasons why she sort of exists within the culture in the way that she does because she was aware of the role that like she was being cast to play but Marilyn Monroe famously had a very complicated and like you know, trauma filled oh, life like prior. That. And then once she became a movie star, there's never been anything Nobody that we talk about it before. It's one no of those movies, things. There's no documentaries so. about her. And uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Never. <laughs> but, but she puts that veneer yeah. on it. And I think that like this performance is very much like in line with like those kinds of performances, because I would say that I think the Annette Bening character is maybe the most dynamic in the sense that we get to see the most sides of her. Yes. Because I think that we watch the onions of her character be peeled off from scene to scene. And she's presented to us as like this initially, like this sort of bright eyed, bushy tailed, you know, woman who is like, who we see has this sort of like ability, um, to use her use to use the skills that she has and to use her beauty to advance in the world. But like you find out that there's so many more layers to it. And this is by design in a way that like at the beginning of the film, you may Mm -hmm. miss out on, but as we get to know her and we, and we develop more of an insight into who she is, it becomes clear that, Oh, this is all very, she is a very well studied and like very well studied person. And like, this is all a part of a very like, 
a very elaborate plan. Yes. You know, yeah. and I think that's I really interesting. I totally agree. And Dave actually brought up a good point in our chat. He said that she feels dangerous. And I think that is so yes. true about her. And I also feel like she felt dangerous to me from the beginning, even when I wasn't quite sure who she was. And that was so skillful. I think of Annette Benning's performance where it was like, she is playing this sort of, like you said in the beginning, this sort of sweet and affectionate, you know, girlfriend character who might, you know, be a little, you know, at least on the surface level, seem less in tune with what's going on than, you know, she actually is. And, but she still always felt a little dangerous to me from the beginning. And then obviously at the end, you find out she's quite dangerous. Um, but yeah, oh, for sure. And I actually think that this sort of, like this ties into my yeah, first love it, it point um, in a way. So moving into the love it. So I'm thinking about her character. I'm thinking about one of the things that we find out about her later in the movie, because she's dating. Um, she's dating the Roy character, but they've only been dating for a couple of months. Um, they end up going on this little trip to La Jolla, which is his mother after passing through Los Angeles um, is headed to um, La Jolla. So they end up going on a little trip to La Jolla and she's talking to him. She sees him on the train talking to um, a few, a few actors. I'm not a few actors. Sorry. A few sailors who are played by actors. One of which is Jeremy Piven. Um, yeah. Uh, but um they're John all Cusack. Yeah, say it. John Cusack used to study acting with Jeremy Piven's parents in Chicago. Yeah. Yes. And this is like, uh, yeah. And so this is like one of those like wild moments in the movie where you see like in very like short and sweet scenes, there is an interaction that's taking place between um, between the character of. Uh, Roy and the sailors who he's doing this sort of another one of his like classic um, classic short cons. And it was like a really funny scene because Paul Adelstein, who is a character actor, he's also one of the sailors and I clocked him as well. And I was like, what else? And it turns out they were all a part of the same acting company um, in Chicago. So it's like, okay. I was like, how did they end up with two like actors who went on to become not well, it just was surprising to see these, you know, several like, actors that went on to have careers in this little like huddle of like three or four mm -hmm. sailors. And it turns out that, yeah, they were all like working actors at this time. So yeah. super interesting. Um, but, but um, the Annette Bening character, actually one of my, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Annette Bening is sitting on the train and she's sitting and uh, Roy gets up to go run this con on these sailors. And this gentleman who's looking, he's sitting across mm -hmm. from her, but his seat's facing hers. And he looks over at her. She's putting on her lipstick and she glances over at him. And there's a, there's just this sort of mm -hmm. understanding. And, and she sort of smirks at him and he, you can tell that he's interested in potentially like paying for her mm -hmm. company um, in some capacity. And she just gives him this head nod that I love. It's Wait, like, cause it's loaded. It's she just like, nod, it, she shook her head. No. No, no, okay. that's what I mean. I'm sorry. It's like it was a, it was, it was, she was shaking yeah. her head no, but it was the way that yeah. she did it. It's like one of those silent exchanges. And she just plays this beat so, so adeptly, where it's just like, I can't do that right now. Like, I know what you want. I can't engage with you right now. I'm here with my boyfriend. You're mm -hmm. not wrong. 
this just isn't that moment. Like, and, and she I love it because it's so it. simple. And I think it's like, it's, it's almost like a, Hey, I, I'm not judging you. You're not judging me, but that can't happen right now. You know, yeah. it's, it's a really good moment. I definitely clocked that for sure. It's a very like quick, subtle moment, but it is really good. And it, I think it tells us a lot about who she is. She's like, she's an opportunistic person. She's yeah. a survivor. And I think that like that comes through and she observes Roy like, you know, with doing his little cute little grift. And he's been selling her this story, just like he's been selling her mom that he's a salesman, although it's like un- unclear what. And, when, and whenever somebody names a thing, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I sell. So like, matches, sure. Um, insurance, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can tell you that. It's, yeah, 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 that, that part. And so it's a really funny moment. But then she talks to him at dinner that night and she's basically like, cut the bullshit. Like, I saw you hustling those sailors. I know what you're up to. You do short cons and you're pretty good at it. I do long cons. That's her thing. And she shares this story of like how she used to run this operation with a former partner whereby they would basically like they would do a like actually ended up looking into like into these grifts a little bit because I was curious. And this one, they talk about it online. It was called The Wire. Mm. But there's a, it's also called like The Bottleneck as well. And it's basically where you get a mark and you get this mark to give you money because you convince them that you have knowledge about something that is going to happen before it happens. And then you screw yeah. them over. And in this case, she's got these wealthy like oil tycoons in the South, Texas, it seems to be, where she's basically she's convincing them to go to this business in this building that they're like holding space in and convincing them that they basically have this knowledge of what's going on in the on the stock market and it's knowledge about basically information that is going to be made public within seven seconds of it being made public and so they're saying with our seven second window we can basically like trick you know we we can basically partake in Mm -hmm. insider trading we can use the knowledge to buy or to sell within those seven seconds before it becomes public knowledge um and She's showing there's a clip of her. It's a flashback of her as Mary Beth is her character's name. And it's Annette Benning's real yes. voice. And it's, it's so, so funny. jarring. It, it's so yeah. it's jarring because Annette Benning has this really great character voice, but she's so good at it that you yes. forget that it's a character voice. And then in this scene, you hear her low, rich voice that she's using as the character of Mary Beth that she's playing in this grift. And it it's kind of shocking because you're like, oh, yeah, that's what Annette Benning right. actually sounds like. But it's such a funny scene. And I love this entire scene because it is such a great flashback. She brings in the mark, her and her partner, they hustle him and give him all this money. And then the way that they basically get rid of the person is that they they stage a, like an FBI sting where like this, these actors come in who are all in on the hustle. They pretend like they're arresting them. And then the guy who she who's her partner shoots her. And it's like, oh, my God, you ratted on me. And she's got this like. Um, it's God, like a what are they called? I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. That she tapes inside her shirt. And I can't believe I can't remember the name of a fake blood pack. It oh, is like squib. squib. Yeah. She's got a squib under her shirt. And so when he he shoots her and then the t- the tycoon like takes off and they've forgotten about their money. They just want to get out of this before they get arrested. And then like there's a shot of like what they do <laughs> after they've basically gotten the money from the mark. And it's like this. It is a Caucasian <laughs> bacchanal. It is all of these like white people listening to like. I don't even know. I don't even know what yeah, ACDC. Something like that. <laughs> 
it is yeah it, they're listening to to um to acdc and everybody is having like the time of twisted of their sister lives. And, I mean, one of those less, bands yeah. i don't know yeah they are but the back in black <laughs> yeah. is playing baby okay just just so you know highway to hell is on deck and um it is a really funny scene and everybody's just like throwing their bodies around and writhing on each other in this in this corporate office and it is it is it is basically it's giving obsessed office christmas parties it absolutely is by the way another episode that you guys should listen to because it's fucking hilarious but yeah no that like the the work party was just like this really funny moment and i love it and she's in this she's in the perfect wig and it's, it's just so like good. it's all she's so also hilarious. like um, topless because the shirt that she um was wearing was like ruined because the blood like exploded in it so she's wearing like someone else's like work shirt but it's like loose and open and she's just like wearing this like kind of like longer version of a Carol Brady wig and like giving it yeah, all with like her so hips funny. and dancing and like just getting fucked up. It's yeah. <laughs> it's that hair. It's like that 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 bang that that, that curl bang, bang in the front and, then the and then flip the, in the back. And the flip. It's so, so good. good. Such a good moment. <laughs> um no, I love it. What is your first love um, of well, this is actually very similar to what we were talking about. Um, just the the delivery of lines earlier. But when Lily is talking about Myra to um to Roy, she obviously doesn't like him and doesn't think he's good enough for her son. And she goes, You wanna lie down with dogs? <laughs> it's so fucking mean like it's like i would rather hear that you think i'm like ugly or like or a bad person than like you want to lie down with dogs like it's just so quietly horrible it's very cutting and it's very yeah. dismissive and one of my notes was another more uh roy interaction uh, I'm sorry, another Lily Roy interaction about Myra where he's there's a scene. So earlier in the movie, we we're talking about his short cons. He does this one con, which seems to be his favorite, where he basically he asks a bartender for a drink. He shows he presents him with a 20. They go to the register to get the change for the 20. And then it, while he, with a sleight of hand, he flips the two bills in his hand and then he gives them a 10. And so he effectively makes ten dollars. Um and he does it to the wrong bartender and the bartender punches him in the stomach and he ends up having like intestinal bleeding and he ends up in the hospital. Well, he punches internal him, bleeding and he, he ends punches up in the stomach with a bat. So it's not just a fist pump. It's a real. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it, and he ends up in the hospital. And when, um, when Lily's visiting him in the hospital, he says to her, um, she, she's had this really like sort of like, terse interaction with Myra. Mm -hmm. Myra's like trying to butter her up and Lily can't really be buttered up. And she, at first she says, oh, L Myra in response at one point after trying to sort of get close to Lily, uh, she says, she says, oh, I guess in this light you do look old enough to be Roy's mother. <laughs> and it's That's just really so funny. Good. And then, and then when Myra, when Lily's talking to Roy about Myra, I think it's the same scene. Roy says, oh, what's your objection to Myra? And then Lily says, same as anybody's. <laughs> the 
And I thought that was such so a good, good line. This movie is so well written. It's, it's just, just like, just like <laughs> I hate her just like the rest of the world does. I have the same reason every other person who she meets despises her. Oh, it's just like it's I love so, it same as anybody. Like it's just a masterclass in being horrible, and it, it's it's so, it's so in, the, in the most creative ways. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah. Um, what's your next love, it, Jamie? Um, well, that was mine as well, but I can do another one. Um, unless you want to oh, go, baby it. boy. I'm always, I'm always like wondering like where our crossovers are gonna yeah. be, and so I, it's always like, it's a fun little like game now. It's like figuring out. Okay, so the next one that mm-hmm. I had was there's like, okay, so there's like. So there's like two like scenes that each of our our leading ladies has with like another character, like a smaller character that stood mm-hmm. out to me. Um, one was Myra and her. Oh landlord. my god! That's, so Myra's yeah. so <laughs> so Myra's behind in paying rent, and first of all, like her landlord is like this married man of a certain age who's like trying to get this money from her, and Myra's basically like, "I'll you know we can have another romp in the hay." And he's like, oh, no, I need the real money this time. And just for context, he's no John Cusack, if that helps. (laughs) No, no, no. This is a this This is is a different different vibe. This is different. He's not that adorable look that John's giving us. (laughs) No, no. He's like this grizzled landlord and he's trying to get his money. And Lily's like, I thought you said it was good, good. Um, Not Lily Myra. She's like, you can get you can get another little little bit of this. And he's like, no, no, I need the money. And then like she she calls him back over to her apartment. First of all, she she very like in her like coquettish, playful (laughs) voice, which is one of those things that we're talking about. We're like, yeah, but there's a danger. She's like, oh, she's like, maybe I could call up your wife and get another extension. And he's like, if you call my wife and she's like, just talking. We just had a conversation. Um, And you and I we're just talking, baby boy. (laughs) Helen doesn't have to get involved. Um, and she's like laying in the bed naked. He opens the door and then she's got the, the rent money in a stack on, on her on her dresser. And she's essentially like, you can have the money or you can have some of this. And he makes the choice. He it's makes. honestly such she a has boss him. move. Cause it's like, yeah, she's like, do you want the rent money or do you want to, do you want to yeah, get some? And it's, I mean, frankly, well done to her because she saved a little money <laughs> but i mean she saved at what girl cost <laughs> for me i don't know <laughs> i mean she she yeah she, she i mean this was this was the guy but she kept yeah. her coin um and then the other one is the is uh, the scene between when the confrontation scene between lily and bobo Okay, Bobo played by like iconic actor Pat Hingle. I don't even know. Probably best known for like on the water. I don't even know who that person is. That's the thing. He's just like a legendary like character actor. Um, But that's why I said like, um, oh, okay, our our producer is coming in. David. Oh, I thought Dave was frozen. He's Commissioner Gordon in Tim Burton's Batman. That is correct. Yes. Wait, let me take a look at this guy. So, (laughs) you know, it it looked the same. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, That hair maybe swooped in the other direction, but that's about it. (laughs) Hingle was given what Hingle was given in the 80s and 90s. He was like, you're getting all of this. Um, And, uh, he so it's a scene where he's confronting her it's a one thing that confused me about this scene though i will say jane is that bobo's confronting her on the road he's basically shown up 
because he thinks that Lily is stealing from him? Yes, I think because here's the thing that I don't understand, because Myra is clearly the one who tipped Bobo off. Yes. But I don't understand how Myra had any connection to Bobo. What Myra said was, so we basically Myra's trying to get Roy to come into this grift with her, the long grift that we were just describing. She used to do it with her ex-partner. They're no longer partnered. But Roy doesn't really want to do it. And Myra becomes convinced that it's because of his mother's disapproval of her when really it's not that. And like Roy and Lily don't even really have that kind of relationship where she's offering counsel. Like Roy's been on his own for a while and like they've been estranged. He just doesn't trust Myra. And Myra. He just doesn't trust Myra. That's that's T. And like she's convinced. And so she starts, she becomes obsessed with Lily and she's, you know, following her around. And that's when she while following her to the racetracks, that's when she finds out about her her grift. And then she says, I reached out to connections that I had from her years of doing the long con that she did and working with other like hustlers that she worked with. So through a grapevine of like underground like hustlers, she was able to basically I probably find out who Myra worked for. I mean, who Lily worked for. And through doing this, somehow she was able to get word back to Bobo about the fact that like. Myra's most likely Lily's most likely trimming money off the skimming money off the top and hiding it in the trunk of her car under like the the board the baseboard or whatever in the trunk or the floor of the trunk of her car so like but before this even happens there's a scene with Lily and Bobo where he shows up and he like gives her the what for and that's the scene where he confronts her oh no, no, no. He doesn't. He confronts he does, her. Oh, bef- okay. I understand what you're saying. He is mad at Lily because she missed placing bets on the horse race in La Jolla. Because, because her son, because, because she showed Roy up to was see in the Roy. hospital. It wasn't because he thought she was Be- stealing yes. from her from him. Thank you. It was because Thank she. Thank you. That was the part yeah, that I. Yeah. Okay, that was the part that I missed. So, so there's a confrontation scene, and he like it's a wild it's, scene. It is a very good scene and it is like a lesson in a little bit going a long way because it is like these two are are they're so good in this scene it's terrifying and it is so dangerous and it's terrifying and it's so uncomfortable and like pat hingle does a great job of playing bobo but like angelica houston does such a great job of like one thing that i was told a long time ago as an actor was like when you're doing confrontation scenes like you need the aggressor needs the person who is being aggressed mm-hmm. upon to give them yes. power because obviously you can't, you can only do so much as a performer, especially with stage acting, but also it's clear in this scene, like Angelica Houston does such a good job of tapping into the mm-hmm. fear of Bobo that it helps to tell the story with a lot of silences and a lot of pauses that are, that like, do well, the job. Also, it is you a, it don't is such a see scarcity. her being nervous in front of anybody else in this movie until the very, very end. And so you, yep. this is the first time just being in the presence of this person. She's absolutely shaken and it's palpable. She's you quivering. can feel it. You can feel it. It's, it's crazy because while doing very, very little seemingly you get, everything you everything you need from like 
just her small change in demeanor when he shows up. You understand that this person is someone who is aggressively dangerous to her. And like one of those people who has the kind of power that they don't have to actually exert power very often because the legend of who they are does the right. work for them. So like in a moment where they're actually exerting power, because you get the feeling from Bobo that like this isn't a person that actually has to fuck people up very often no, of because he not. did such a good job of fucking people up in the decades preceding yep. this one that like now like the lore yeah. does does the heavy mm-hmm. lifting. But it's like this scene where like he brings her to this house. First of all, the first terrifying thing that happens mm-hmm. in this scene is that he gets in the car with her. He's laying into her about the fact that she missed placing this bet. And then he says to her, she and she's giving him lies and bullshit. And he says, you want to tell me the truth? You want to keep yeah. your teeth? Uh, and she's like, keep my teeth. Um, keep these, keep these pearly whites, baby boy. And then also, which is really funny to me because it's so clear that he's not actually going to hurt her in that way because he needs her yes. beauty in order to like make his operate. Like uh, why she does what she does is because she gets to look like Angelica Houston gets to like exactly. look like the bone structure is just like it's unfair. It's absolutely. Um, I mean, you can't mess with it. She's I Richard Avedon is like one of my favorite photographers and he was like one of the groundbreaking photographers to like add motion into like fashion mm-hmm. photography. But he one of his I have uh, several of his like photography books, but like one of the images that is my favorite is an image of like Angelica Houston, like in the 70s, I believe it is. It is so good. And also proof of the fact that Angelica Houston and Cher should have been in a movie where they played sisters because that would have been everything um Um, but it is just like well i'd love for you to um find it and put it on our instagram so other people can see it oh yes i will do that yes yes, i want to see it too i mean i am googling it now but that's not helpful for a podcast (laughs) no i will for sure put it on there um, that'll be mm-hmm. perfect. But this scene, he's talking to her. Basically, he he has this paper bag full of um, grapefruits that he pours out on the floor and he's got her collecting them. And he gets her a big towel mm-hmm. to put them in. But earlier when they were in the car, he says to, to her, be this person, but it's oranges. Those- it's not grapefruits. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. He it's it's an awful moment. They're in the car and he says to her, which is the most one of the most terrifying parts of the scene. He says, do you have a long coat you can wear? Because she's in this sleeveless dress and it is bone chilling. And she's like, no. And he says, I've got a raincoat you can borrow. And it's like nothing's happened yet. But there, there is something about just like putting that inquiry out there and just letting it float that is fucking bone well, because chilling. Because you know it means I'm going to do something to you that has to be covered up. That has to be covered up. That is some scary it, shit. It scare the shit and out of me, he, man. And he like, he gets her back and she's collecting these fucking oranges and putting them in this like big towel that he's given her. And he's talking to her about the damage that these oranges are going to do. He's not doing it. He is telling her to tell him about it. So she has to tell him. He says, hey, what is like a sack of oranges do? And she has to tell him how dangerous they are if like you get beaten with them. Like you can use them apparently like if for an insurance fraud claim because they can make things look really bad, but like be like relatively like do little damage, but do great like 
physical sort of like um like visual mm-hmm. impact as we found out i know we're on a roll with referencing other episodes but if you remember jane we did an episode on a thin line between love and yeah. hate and this is one of the ways that lynn whitfield's character brandy frames marcus martin lawrence's character is that she remember that scene where she's hitting herself in the face over and yes. over again she puts fruit in a bag and she's hitting herself in the oh face my in order to create bruises yes. on her. And he, and in this scene, they're talking about it and he's saying it's a great way. And he's saying, but what happens if you, what happens if you do it improperly? Or if you know, if you, if you, if you don't do it the right way and she's like, you can really mess up your insides. And he says, you never shit. You never have a, you never have a decent shit the rest <laughs> yeah. of your life. Uh, and uh, that, that may have just been yeah. Pat talking and they just got it on camera. But um but he but he says that and then he like threatens to hit her with it. She makes her bring he makes her bring him the, the towel and he lunges at her and she falls to the ground. And then he takes a cigar he's smoking and he burns it out on her hand. It is it is it is rough. It's, it's a it's a very, very intense scene. It's really bad. It is. And it's a relatively quiet scene for the yeah. most part, with the exception of that moment of like intense violence. And then he says Get up, clean yourself up. And it's really, it's, it, it's true. It is a quiet scene until she screams from pain and then it's quiet again. And there's so much fear wrapped up in this scene that is just, it's everything that isn't said. You know what I mean? That makes it so horrifying. Oh. Yeah. It's so scary. Um, in the, so that, so that's mine. I loved it. It was terrifying. Yeah. But I loved it. Uh, what is uh, what is your next love? It, so Jane? my next love it is kind of similar, just in the sense that it's this particular scene. But the final scene at Roy's apartment when Lily is stealing his money, that scene. I mean, it's it, it to me, it was the best scene of the movie. Um, and I went on a wild ride. So essentially like, I don't want to like break down every element of the scene. Cause I really do think people should see sure. this movie and be aware. Yeah. Like I think part of like not knowing or part of seeing this movie too, is like not knowing exactly what's going on. It, it, it twists and turns a lot, but, I, and so I, yes. there's like a part of me is like, I know we don't, I know we don't give a shit about spoilers, but there's a part of me that doesn't want to, give everything because I just like I yeah I, I want you. people I to see you. this but it is uh, I'll give the context that it's like it's this scene where um Lily has essentially had had to kill Myra and she has had to basically frame it as her own death because she's on the run from Bobo who now is aware that she's been stealing money from him because Myra exposes him and she goes on the run after Myra exposes her and Myra finds her and tries to attack her in her own hotel room. And because nobody is fucking with Lily. She's a badass bitch. She ends up killing Myra, staging it to look like it was um, an accidental death, right? Or a suicide? A suicide. suicide. And tries to and and stages it as her own death so that hopefully it will get back to Bobo. And then um, Roy is tasked with identifying the body and saying, yes, that is my mother. And at the time, while he's identifying the body, he sees that 
um, the body does not have the cigar burn on her hand. And so he knows it's Myra. He knows it's not his mother. And Lily, Lily is on the run and she has no money and she has to get out and she's absolutely losing her mind and is wild going wild. Um, and she goes back to Roy's apartment and she goes and, and essentially breaks in and steals all of the money that he has saved. And he walks in and he finds her in this moment and they have a very intense confrontation um, one of which is just wild. And I, again, I just like, I don't want to say too much about it. Oh no, no. I, I agree with you. We can leave them with yeah. this. Yeah. The last thing. Cause but, you should see but it. You're, you should you're see right it. There, um, and it's so well it's a, acted it's and it's so masterful. And so just the whole thing. I mean, that was a crazy ass scene. I forgot about like it. It was it's it's so yes. gripping. It is you were literally on the mm-hmm. edge of your seat, and it it's so much that is like they do so good job. They do such a good job, so good with like those subtextual mm-hmm. moments and with those pauses. Like the pauses are yes. pregnant. Like they are loaded with feeling and meaning, and it is ev- everybody's trying to mask who they in this scene. Both of them are trying to mask who they are and like their real feelings. And it is so interesting because you're dealing with two like career con artists. And yes. it, this actually, it's such a good scene. This actually leads me into, into my final yeah, love it, which is the, the clothing in the movie. There's so much really good clothing so in the good. movie. Angelica Houston manages to wear, they put in a lot of like, um, like, like business yeah. suits. Like they put in a lot of like, not like skirts, like skirt and jacket sets. Um, at the, I did notice at the hospital. I was like, she's pulling off these red stockings. I didn't like, even clock. That. I would have. They I were red. I would have like it was so subtle, and I was like, I was like, I would not not think that anybody could put on the red mm-hmm. stockings and make me like be into it. But like Angelica Houston absolutely, absolutely does. And then like we've hinted at some of like the Oedipal undertones of the movie. One thing that is of note is that the way that they are styled in this movie, like, like. Lily and Myra favor each other mm-hmm. a lot. And it sort of ties into the whole Oedipal aspect mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, but one of the final sort of things is that, as Jane mentioned in the murder, um, you know, the Myra thing is that um, Angelica Houston's character then takes the outfit that Myra was wearing and she puts it on. This outfit is it's my favorite outfit. It was my outfit. favorite. It's so You know good. what it made me think of? Okay, so it's this red wow. backless dress and it's gorgeous. And there's like some, like if you move in the right ways, there's some very like sexy side boob. It's fantastic. But it mm-hmm. made me think of that scene in Obsessed when Allie Larder is, shows oh up at the God. resort with yes. Peaches Alba and she thinks she's wearing this dress, but she's wearing like a way oh, worse so version of this dress. This is like the no, beautifully so done, like designed version of this dress. And the yeah. Allie Larder in Obsessed is like the, like, I don't know, the Filene's basement version of that dress. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's so true because it's backless, but it's very playful. Yes. And like the straps going along the back are like, they sort of they hint they hinted some. I I love a backless uh, dress. Me too, the girl. Oh my so god, they're sexy. so gorgeous. Oh, I 
And they both, it's like this crimson, like blood red and they both wear it so well. And it's paired with like that 1950 style, like um, scarf around the head with just like the tuft of hair coming out of the front. It's so good. It's so good. Um, It's one of our rarest sightings of Angelica Houston as a blonde. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's really, it's, it's giving what it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be giving. And that was just, that was my last love it is I love this outfit and I love that it's one that like they both have on and I love that they both wear the hell out of it. It's, it's so, good. so good. Well, this goes with my, that. This go, I have two love it's left, and this goes with one of them is that the earring game is so on point in this movie. The oh, it is both right. Angelica Houston and Annette Bening are wearing the best earrings in every scene. It's such, it's so, so many good earrings in this movie. Um, which is really like one of those details that we don't actually talk about a lot. On no, the pod, but I love a good earring. But like is such a like is can such a like absolutely like moment and can really just punch things up in mm-hmm. such a way. Mm-hmm. And there's so many good earrings in this movie. I mean, truly. Um, and then my final love it is. After that big scene that we talked about that we're not going to give any spoilers away, there's just this shot of Angelica Houston going down in the elevator in the red dress with the scarf on. And it's it you can see it's an old like iron elevator and the shot is just Ooh, yeah. so beautiful. And I just like cinematically, it was just one of like my favorite like visual things in the movie was that shot. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. I quickly did a quick scan and I'm just looking at all the different earrings that they wear and you are 100% right. There's some really fabulous mm-hmm. earrings. And it's like, it's also one of those things where it's like when you're, they both have like short, like kind of tightly coiffed mm-hmm. hair and it really lends itself to like, like sh- I forget how much short hair lends itself to being a showcase for Absolutely. fabulous Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time I have, um, have had short hair, I've really let the earrings take over. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's like an opportunity to like to really get yeah. playful with um with the earring mm-hmm. game. Um and then we now have our logos. Yes. And um I'll go into um so the loathits. The my first loathit, which is just a plot point, which isn't really a mm-hmm. loathe it. It's but it was something that like when I was watching the movie, I was just like it was a thing that kept me on the edge of my mm-hmm. seat. Um, which was just that no one can be trusted. Yes. Like it's the thing is that you don't know who to mm-hmm. believe because everybody has curated their own version of events. Even like, even, um, even Lily and like Roy, like the stories that they tell themselves, the stories they tell themselves about like his childhood, you know what I mean? Where they were both like seemingly present. It's like everybody's in ver- everything that you're presented with, even in flashbacks in the movie, there's still a part of you that's like, is this true though? Or is this just what this character Girl. says? Like, <laughs> That is, it, this is, this actually isn't a low that point for me, but it is, it, it's something that like, I spent the majority of this movie not really knowing whether they were actually mother and son. I didn't, I yeah. wasn't sure because in the beginning I decided to believe nobody because I was, because you yeah. knew that they were all grifters and in at the end, I believed it more, but I'm still not entirely sure. It's funny because I think that in in a certain way, through being through like creating that kind of a world, like that cinematic world, 
what Frears and these actors were able to do was sort of make us like they were we were able to sort of tap into some of the uncertainty that they all must have been feeling about yeah, each other as totally viewers. because it sort of kept us off of like our center in a way that it kind of felt like all of them were off of their center with regard mm-hmm. to each other. So we felt just as much uncertainty as they seem to feel about what they were being told by one another. So I think that in a way that probably helped to give us a little bit of that, um, that's that sort of that feeling of like, of that feeling of confusion Mm -hmm. and a little bit of wariness that I think was coursing through all of these characters and everyone's interactions. And that distrust was sort of channeled through to us because I felt it a lot too. So that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was really, it's a really masterful way to figure out like to, to, to sort of like, kind of commit to to no real truth which i think is important because like no ma- the story was told and we don't have to know whether any of the mm-hmm. details were true oh, for sure and I, I don't know i think that's interesting and difficult to like commit to probably as someone who's making something because you always want to be, or at least I find like, you know, when I'm creating something, I want to be clear about relationships and stuff like that. And it's such a hard choice to like decide, like I'm going to make something and no one's going to really know what's real. You know, I think that I, I think that would be hard for me you know, to commit to that. No, for sure. I love it. I had an, I had an acting I had an acting teacher who used to all that was like a really big like aha moment for me as an actor of just like like just because you say it doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's your truth like just because you say it as a character when you're building your character and you're creating that backstory and you're adding in all of those layers and you're sort of trying to decipher like your character's journey and like what may have led them to like engaging with the world like they are or whatever the problem that they're on the precipice mm-hmm. of what brought them to this point I think that it's like it was a gift to be told that by, you know, a director who I really respected and trusted that it's like, yeah, just you like it's not just it's not just about what's on Mm -hmm. the paper. It's about like what you sort of architect and like you can have secrets and you can have like truths that like nobody in the play Mm -hmm. knows that are just motivations for you. And so I felt like in this movie, it was one of those things where I sort of had to give over to it. And the last time that I watched it, I was like, because all of a sudden, the last time I watched it, I was wary of everything that Myra says. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, her stories that she told, like her intentions with regard to the Roy character. I turned to Dave at one point and I was like, I don't is Roy even her goal or was her goal to find or was her goal Lily? Yeah. Like she like all of a sudden she was obsessed with Lily towards the end of the movie. And I think a part of it was because she saw so much of herself in her. And I think that was what made them both dangerous Mm -hmm. to each other was that I think that there was this sort of mutual understanding that we are two women who have had to fight and scrap for everything that we have. And like, it is like, it is unnerving Mm -hmm. to like sometimes meet a person who reflects some part of yourself, whether it's a part of yourself that you love or you hate, it's a moment and it requires you to have to deal with certain things. So like, I was just watching it the last time. I was like, is that true? Is that true? These motherfuckers are all lying, aren't they? And it's, so it's, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, really it's good. Such a, a frustrating, but like good feeling to experience. Yeah. I love it. Um, so, and it's perfect for a noir yeah. film because that's how film noir, Absolutely. you know, 
Look, we talked about this when we are another episode last one I'll mention, but bound. Yes. When we did um, bound, we talked a lot about that same mm-hmm. feeling of like, who's telling the truth and who's screwing mm-hmm. who over? Because even at the end of the movie, you're like, but is, but does she really have her best right. intentions at heart? You, you know never, what I mean? Like, it's, no, it's fascinating. It's so yeah. 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 Me too. It. Um, okay. Well, my first little bit point, <laughs> um, is, and I'm sorry to say it, Angelica Houston's wig. Girl, it could have been better. What are we doing here? It was... So this was a wig? Girl, I I have taught you better than this. Of course it was a wig. And it wasn't I a good one. Tell it was not a good one. See, I couldn't tell because it would get like kind of... Like there were certain points where it would look thirsty. <laughs> and I was like, is this Angelica Houston's hair? And I was like, did Angelica Houston dye no, her hair? No, she didn't. For no, this movie. And here's the thing. And I was like, here's the yeah. thing. When I first saw it and she was first introduced and she's walking around at the horse track and I'm like, oh, okay. She's wearing a bad wig. Cause she's doing a grift. Like this is part of the like costume. She wants to be unrecognizable. And then that bad wig stayed on throughout the whole movie. And I thought, who Oh, it harkens back to who knows the truth about what because I'm like is she really trying to pretend that this is her real fucking hair like is she like is she really is she is she really expecting me the audience to believe this and not her obviously the hair and makeup people but that's so it is funny. not a good wig that is so funny now I'm like looking at stills in the movie and I'm like okay it's yeah not, I see it now it's not and I and I don't like the style of it. She looks like, um, you know, she looks like a woman in Fort Lauderdale who goes weekly to get her hair curled and pressed. And then, and then, and then has very careful with it all week and wears a scarf over it to make sure that she doesn't have to ever manage it on her own until she goes back to get a wash the next week. It's so funny. And what would have actually really ate is if there was a scene of her in that hotel room and she Removing takes the wig, the wig. Off and we, yes. And we see her hair for like one scene and it's like, oh, we really don't know. Exactly. Shit about and that would have been really good. No, I would have yeah. been a moment. Um, so, yeah. Um, do you have another one or I got a couple if you don't have any more. My OK, okay. I have one more. Um, my my last one. And this is actually a comedic loathe. <laughs> um, but it's the scene when like, first of all, when Roy goes to identify um goes to identify what is believed to be his mother's uh, mm-hmm. Lily's body. First of all, they like the police pick him up, like literally on yeah. the tarmac. And I'm like, I why? Like you called him, you told him you can come identify your mother. I don't know why y'all are giving him like an escort. <laughs> like this is the body of a president <laughs> that he's going to identify and it's LBJ, but go off. So they drive him from the tarmac where a car is waiting for him to the morgue. And then they go in the morgue, they pull out her body. And first of all, very crassly, the detective says to him, she ate the gun. It, it, and I was like, oh my that girl, line, it was calm like, where down. is your bedside manner? You don't know. I mean, uh, this may, this is this man's mother. All you, yeah, that's all you know is that this is his yeah. mom. And you like are just throwing shit out boldly because you're just like, you want to know how I went down? <laughs> Because maybe you don't fully get it. <laughs> this is what, let me explain to you what fucking happened. It's like, oh my God. Okay. So we're just throwing crude details out. So. But then, but then also they show, they reveal the body and then they pull the blanket or the sheet that's covering the body 
all the way down. So it's just her bare naked body. And I was just thinking, why are they showing this man his mama's full naked body in this morgue? This is unnecessary. And they're like, are there any distinctive marks? And it's just like, we could have talked about it before. Been like, like, I don't know that I need to like see her bare naked body right now to understand that she's it's dead. Like, I would like to know if I'm going to walk into a morgue and see my mother's dead body, which is no matter what relationship you have with your mother, an incredibly horrible. jarring, horrible experience. Awful. I would love to hear like, hey, we're actually going to go ahead and pull the sheet down all the way so that you can get a peek at your mother's bush and let us know if that's her. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to show you your mother's vagine, <laughs> just so you know today. If you haven't, if it hasn't been enough and en- enough of a doozy, get ready for the main event. Get ready for the coup fucking de gras because it's your mom's bush. We are, we are it's disrespecting the move. shit out of her one last time. It would also just, I would be so discombobulated. I would be like, wait, 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 what's going on? Like, I would be in the throes of grief and I'd be like, why are you, why are you bearing my mom's titties for me right now. Cover her up. What do you need me to see? Tell me what you need me to see. Because there may be a way for me to look without having to look at her entire naked body. And y'all all look at it either. Because we're all just in a room I staring. I know that Roy and Lily had a unique relationship. But I don't think. Unique? <laughs> but I don't think he was in a position to identify her by her titties. <laughs> yeah, because it feels like they're like. It feels like one of those. They're like, oh, they're like, do, do these look familiar? Yeah, exactly. It's like, are you judged? Like, what? Like, this feels like just a solo judgment. Like, it has nothing to do with. It. Yeah, I heard about you and Mama. <laughs> the streets are talking. <laughs> the streets are about talking. How weird it you, is. You got a good enough. You. <laughs> you got a good enough look at, at her at her thighs and her ass. Can you see? Is that the booty you remember? Is that mom's dunk? Yeah, we knew you'd fucking know, you fucking pervert. You shouldn't have known. You shouldn't have known. Got him. It's also like, why is my why is my mom in La Perla? What's going on? Did y'all dress her for this? We knew you'd want to take it off when you got here. Sicko. You fucking pervert. Sicko. We heard about you. We know you like to go back from where you've been. Yeah, we yeah, talked to Myra. Yeah, all about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just what we just what we fucking thought. Somebody call call Gates up because we know you're trying to find your roots, baby. <laughs> um, okay. okay. Um, so that so that was my final. <laughs> that was my final. Look I have a couple more, but I don't think we need to talk about Give all of them. Give I'm gonna pick and choose. So, um. <laughs> My my next one is why the fuck does Lily pronounce it Los Angeles? It was it, wild, and I didn't understand why. And she did it. She stood on. Can two, I tell she you? On, can I tell you something toes. that blew my fucking mind? Give it up. When we were watching the credits roll or the credits before the movie started, and you know, it was yeah. all those black and white like close-ups of like buildings and whatever and i always the first thing i try to do when i watch a movie is place it so i -hmm. turned to tara and laura our friend laura who was watching it with us and i said oh i think that's los angeles as a joke and then that's so I, I, I don't funny. think I've ever pronounced it like that in my entire life. And then th- and then 30 seconds into the movie, 
Angelica Houston says it. And I look at the both of them, I'm like, what the fuck? And then she says it throughout the whole movie. By the way. And you're like, is she trolling me? By the way, Laura and Tara didn't care at all. They didn't think that was a crazy coincidence. I was blown away. They were were like, all right, whatever. I was (laughs) like, that's a, I have never seen this movie. And I made, nobody pronounces it like that. Why would I have known? You know what I mean? I just thought that was fucking crazy. It is. It's a wild it's way to pronounce it. It's a wild way to so pronounce funny. it. But it's also more she wild did it. than I That's predicted. That's what I said. No, okay, absolutely. I that. No, you, you're, you're on. No, Thank there you, you go. You're right. <laughs> um, no, but for, for sure. She said it with her whole chest, I know, too. Every time. And no one said, hey. And dared somebody to. And dared a motherfucker to Nobody said, hey, I'd love to know sort of the background story as to why you pronounce it like that. She says it to, she says it to Bobo. And Bobo, it doesn't. He's not like, stop yeah. saying it like that. <laughs> enough that's the one thing he let slide apparently or like or, or is yeah. this a setup like why'd you say it that way is that is that a code word for is this a sting you don't say that shit like that to me um but no he's got uh, her ass that's why he doesn't he was like you got your exactly. long trench <laughs> put it on baby it's because it's because of the way she pronounced los angeles that's why he was like you know what i was gonna let it fucking slide but go get those fucking oranges out of the trunk we're gonna go inside and talk for a minute and get that raincoat too <laughs> Because just that pronunciation pissed me the fuck off. It changed my whole mood. Um, and did you, have, you know did what? You I'm gonna leave my last little bit because I think we need to leave it at this point. My it it was it was gonna maybe bring the mood down. I think we're in a good spot. So let's let's end it here. I think okay. we've I think we've covered everything we need to cover. Unless you have more to say. Uh, no that that was it. That is the, the grifters, grifters done MWM style. Mm. Um, Jane, I have two oh, questions please, for you. My first, you, mm-hmm. here it comes. Uh, would you watch this movie? Again? I would absolutely watch this movie again. I feel like I want to watch it again, kind of soon too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you. It's a, this is a really yeah. good movie, and it's it is it's a really like it's a lot going on, but it is like an. Easy I also watch. want to read the book. You know, too. you do. I I was thinking yeah. the same thing. Jim Thompson uh, wrote it in 1963. I was looking into like narratives and, and plot points and things that like sort of like differ mm-hmm. a little bit. And the only real main thing that I saw, of course, obviously there's so much more to mm-hmm. expound upon, but there's a character who's briefed in the movie, uh, a mm. nurse um, in the movie. And that's a bigger okay. plot point in the book, apparently that character. So that's one of the only things I really saw, but I, I'm really curious about reading it too, because it's so layered and so complex and you, I can only imagine that we scrape you know, the surface in the, in, you know, telling a story. We should and start also an MWM book club. Cause we, we've had so many yes. like, Oh, I want to read this book because of Ooh. this movie. Now we've had so many of that. Yeah. That'd be super that's a good fun. Idea. Yeah. With all our free time, let's start that up. <laughs> Absolutely. We got nothing but time. We're both, mm-hmm. you know, women, mm-hmm. women of leisure. Um, and then my second question for you is, do you have a movie for me to watch for next week? Cause <laughs> I've just been. So I do. Curious. I do. Um, and I am really excited to harken back to, um, you know, our uh, our friends we haven't seen for a while. And, um, okay. you know, it's um, <clears throat> it's something we started a long time ago and it's something that it's going to take us a long time. And I just feel like it's time to bring it back up again. Um, a family that we are very close with and. Fairly. We are going to be watching 2000s, 2009's Fast and the Furious 4. Let's, Let's do, do it, it baby. baby. Let's fucking. Have we watched we three watched of those three? already? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my God. I only remember two wow. for some reason. Well, um, I would say, I would say there's. Was Tokyo Drift? Tokyo two Drift was three. And two, I think. Two was Tyrese. Two was Tyrese and um, Eva Mendez. And. Fam. And one was like just the, you know, the core cast. So. The just the core, core crew. crew. The core so, family. Um, yeah. We're ready. Our producer Dave just chimed in yep. with boom, boom. And <laughs> he's not wrong. So yeah, we're strapping in. We're getting ready to take on Theories 4. Well, thank you, Bran, um, for talking about this movie with me. It was really fun. And thank you for selecting it because I had, I don't think I had ever heard of it. But then like, as I like started to research it and watch it, I was like, okay, I feel like I I, I can remember people mentioning this movie. Um, it's not like a well-discussed no. movie, but it's so surprising to me because it's so good. But it so is a good. classic. So um, seriously, I do want to, I really do want to um, recommend that you guys watch it. We hope that you, it's really um, good. you know, enjoyed listening to us talk about it. We enjoyed it. We love you. We appreciate you. We hope you made it to the end. Um, and we hope that you will join us um, in between episodes on our social media at Movies We Missed on Instagram and Facebook and obviously Threads, which we are um, <clears throat> huge superstars on already. So join us there and don't forget to join us next next week for The Fast and the Furious 4. We love you. Bye. Hi, Bill and Nancy.